Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? This is just a thought. What about Buck? Now, I'm sure he'd be glad to help out. This is not the time to discuss your brother. I don't want him here. It's just a suggestion. He doesn't have kids. He isn't married. He, he doesn't even work. He's a little out there, but he's responsible. And he's family. I was strolling through the jungle one day. Met a girl in the voice from the girl said... Baby, would you like to come with me? You see, my daddy wrote on the Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today we honor a great actor and an even better uncle. It's our 30-year anniversary tribute to Uncle Buck. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be, I'd, I'd be honored, sure. You know, I, I've still got the one bedroom. You know, I'm going to get a bigger place. But, uh, hey, they bring their uh, sleeping bags over here. We'll have some fun. We'll make tents and stuff. Uh, we'll get some toys and some peanut butter. You know, we'll have a blast. Uh, Steve, Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media Mobile app. In addition to those places, get this. You can now just go to Google, type in Stuck in the 80s, and the results will include links to listen to our show. How cool is that? Pretty cool. But you can also listen to our podcast on the CLNS Media website. You can find it at clnsmedia.com. And as always, if you love our show, share the links on social media. And don't forget to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. It's 7.02 in the a.m. You're listening to W. I Don't Have to Go to Work Today, brought to you by Kobolowski Tires. For the best in tires, see Shanice Kobolowski. Steve joining us today. She has been described as a twiddler, a dreamer, a silly heart. It's Jen with one N. Hello. I've missed you guys this summer. How are you? Well, it's good to have you back. It's been a... It's, yeah. it's still summer, isn't it? It is in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a busy busy summer. We've had a lot of interviews. Uh, obviously, people have noticed that. We've got a few more to come. But uh, we thought that we're going to take a break today. We're going to go old school, stuck in the 80s style, which I guess is a oxymoron, maybe, or double negative. It's a smoke screen. What? Double bluff. It's double bonus. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> in the old days of Stuck in the 80s, we would, we would sit around and we would just do a single show on a single movie. We, for whatever reason, we just kind of stopped doing that over the years. But one thing I noticed this week on social media was that everybody was going bonkers that Uncle Buck had reached its 30th anniversary. And so I thought, you know, it's been a long time since probably any of us have seen it. So let's go back and rewatch it. Let's let's do a little research and see, you know, what's tinkering uh, behind the doors there. And let's just have a short show and and rediscover an old classic and see how well it holds up over time. How's that sound to everybody? Awesome. I am so down. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. I'll come. It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. You have much more hair in your nose than my dad. How nice of you to notice. I'm a kid. That's my job. 
So Uncle Buck was released on August 16, 1989. It was John Hughes's last directing job of the 80s, and it was his second to the last writing job. Does anybody know what his final writing job would have been in the 80s? Mm. Did he write Home Alone in the 80s? No, that was 90s. I mean, that's when it came out. We're going to go by release date. I don't know. That would be Christmas Vacation. Oh. (laughs) Couldn't get any Hooter in here. (laughs) (laughs) The movie would go on and inspire two uh, TV versions, one in 1990 and another one in 2016. Did did anybody here watch either one of the Uncle Buck television series? 2016? I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wrote about it in the blog. Let's see. It's TV and it's Brad. So you do the math. Did I see it? (laughs) (laughs) So both of them were flops because both of them were basically done without any cooperation from John Hughes, his estate, his family, or the estate or family of John Candy. So uh, usually about this time, I like to do a a synopsis of the plot. I think most of us have seen Uncle Buck. So let me just give you the elevator pitch. How's that? That's a real Hollywood thing to do. I love it. Uh, Here's the elevator pitch. John Candy's a bachelor and an all-around slob, but he can make really big pancakes, so why not let him babysit to your brother's rebellious teenage daughter and the cute little brother and sister? In the end, it will work out. It always does. Okay. Steve, I believe that was the actual pitch for the movie. (laughs) I think that was it. Much is made of him being kind of a bum. He, he's dressed pretty good, honestly, for a bum. He's got like nice dress shirts on, and like maybe I wouldn't make that sweater choice, but for a bum, yeah, yeah. You, I, well, you're right. He wasn't as slobby as I remember. You're right about that. I love when he goes to the to the mom and says, "You know, oh, I quit smoking cigarettes," and she's like, "Oh, that's great." She's like, "Yeah, I've moved on to cigars." Hey, I, I stopped smoking cigarettes. Oh, good. Isn't that something? <laughs> I'm on to cigars now. I'm onto a five-year plan. I eliminated the cigarettes, then I go to cigars, then I go to pipes, then I go to chewing tobacco, then I'm onto that nicotine gum. Oh my god, it's just horrible. You, you think about it today in today's context of you know everyone being such a non-smoker. That's just uh, there's a. Am I wrong, or if there are just a lot of moments in this movie that have just a great comic moment, not necessarily having anything to do with the plot. It's just like someone figured in a way to shoo in a good joke and. It just kind of proceeds along that path. Yes. Yes, sir. I actually wrote in my notes as I was watching it again, and it has been, I think, probably about 30 years since I've seen it. But I, 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 exact, I feel exactly the same. The plot is so loose. Like, it just hangs so loosely together. It is. It's a series of jokes. It's a series of vignettes sort of meandering to it'll all work out in the end conclusion. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I, I mean, I don't. Okay. I'm going to be honest with 80s Nation. Because some movies are for you, some movies are not. I watched this again thinking I wasn't going to like it. And the thing is, I did like this movie, but yeah, I, I feel like I might forget that I watched it in a week. Does that make sense? <laughs> and, I, and, I, and no offense to anyone who's this favorite movie this is, because I, I like a lot of movies that other people don't care for. But, it's not um, but a really yeah, deep felt- story, yeah. It's really not. And it felt like, you know, and we'll, we'll talk more about sort of the Hughes oeuvre in a bit, but it feels like one of where John Hughes starts recycling some of these storylines and some of these archetypes and stuff. I, in about five minutes in, I was like, I'm watching Mr. Mom, actually. This is like Mr. Uncle is what I'm watching right now. Yeah. It's, it's the like same Mr. kind Mom of story, right? With brother. I, I, exactly. I, He's hapless. And then, pitch. Oh, wow. Yeah, maybe. It's, you, I think you nailed it's it. Mr. Uncle. I think you guys nailed it. Yeah. 
It's Mr. Mom with John Candy as the uncle. Boom. That's it. That is the entire. That's it. Goes over. You even got the flirty neighbor who's like coming on to John oh, Candy yeah. for no particular reason, which that of course character happened. is great. Though. That character is great. Her lines. I don't know who wrote those, but she's just <laughs> like they're so just deliciously quirky. Uh, well, it's the genius. Of, <laughs> yeah, it's the genius of Laurie Metcalf too. Like she is so good at is. everything. She- Laurie Metcalf. Oh my gosh. So she it was um Aunt Jackie, Roseanne's sister on Roseanne. Oh but she's yeah, but she's like Midwestern. She's like from the Chicago school of acting that she is just she's crazy good and ridiculously underrated as far as I'm concerned. So I want to rewind just a little bit to that comment you made about it uh, like a series of vignettes. And I hadn't really thought about it that way, but it it really is. There really is there's kind of one through line and the rest of it is just it's it's the meatballs version of Mr. Mom. You know, the, you don't see movies like that in the late 80s where there isn't really a tight plot, where there isn't, you know, it's not a little more organized in the storytelling. Right, because Mr. Mom, another Hughes movie, it, it is a very tightly written pl- plot, I think, right? Like, we we watch Michael Keaton's character grow and change, and even the kids actually grow and change. I feel like the kids didn't grow and change that much except for the sister. Yeah, I was, Can we I, talk about I, the here, sister? Yeah, that's why it's comedy. Here's what I was going to say. The things. only through line, when you talk about a through line, to me, the through line in this movie is the rebellious daughter. That, to me, is is the... Yeah. Right. It's, it's Tia versus, versus Buck. It's Tia versus her mom, because Tia yeah. basically resents the fact that her she was ripped from their life in... Indiana was it Indianapolis? Yeah, Indianapolis. The first time everyone anyone's ever said, "Gosh, I sure wish I could live in Indianapolis <laughs> instead of suburban <laughs> Chicago," and she is still mad about it. She's going to rub it in her mom's face every chance she gets. I mean, she is as full of—I um, don't want to say the word hate, but there's a oh, lot. I'll say it. <laughs> She's a, that character at the beginning. I actually texted Jen as I started watching it. I said, "I forgot how much of a bitch this girl is. She's mean." You know what? When Dad goes to New York, I'm going to take a week off work. So you can interview new housekeepers? I've had enough of your ugliness. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. We're all just a little tired of the act. What's your theory, Jen? So she's another Hughes archetype that gets recycled. I think she, it's like, let's give Jeannie from Ferris Bueller more screen time. Oh, God. Oh. Oh, that's brilliant. I didn't even as soon as, think of that. As soon as she squints, I was like, holy crap, it's Jeannie. <laughs> and and Jeannie in small doses, awesome, hilarious. But Jeannie with a movie all about her and how about how mad and mean she is, yeah. It's it, I didn't find that, it super fun. <laughs> no, that fire can only burn so long. Yes. <laughs> so besides, obviously, the through line of the daughter and the mom, is is there a favorite scene that everyone has that kind of stands out? Like when you when you think back to to watching it this last time, was there one scene that you just thought, you know, either really made you laugh or made you cry or made you think? Jen. I had mentioned that uh, were it not for John Candy, I wouldn't have enjoyed this movie quite as much as I did. Um, and it's funny because I didn't laugh out loud a lot. Like the bowling ball in the face, for example, like that didn't make me even smile. But there are like these throwaway kind of scenes and and these throwaway lines that really made me giggle. And one of them was when he's outside, again, one of the vignettes, right? It's like not crucial to the plot in any way, but he goes out and he's like getting the cat <laughs> and dragging it back in. Kids, 
Okay, come on, you. Come on, get in the house. What are you doing out here making all this noise? Ah, get in the house where you belong. Come on. Come on. Hey! Who let the cat out? We don't have a cat. Come on, get out. Ah. Come on, shoot. Shoot, 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 shoot. It's like those little tiny jokes that I think I laugh the most. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think that underlines Buck's personality, which is that he's hapless, but he's got a heart. I mean, he's trying to do the sure. right thing. You know, he's trying to, for whatever reason, he thinks that they have a cat. He's trying to do the right thing, but he just can't. It's, it's not within his power to do the right thing. Uh, I would disagree with that. I think he does a lot of good things for the little kids. I mean, eventually, eventually, but just the pancakes, come on. Those pancakes are awesome. <laughs> they were big pancakes. <laughs> it's true. Yes. And, and that's exactly I like that would just have totally spoken to a little kid, which maybe I think maybe it's more that Uncle Buck is a little boy. How often do you think about your socks? Probably not as often as you think about the 80s, or at least we hope so. But now that Bomba's Socks is a sponsor of Stuck in the 80s, it's changing a little bit. I just bought another batch of Bomba socks and wore them over the weekend, and I love them. Plus, uh, my niece and nephew were there for a family dinner, and they saw my socks with the word Bomba stitch right on top and immediately recognized them. And they wondered aloud in front of the whole family why Uncle Steve was suddenly wearing cool socks. <laughs> uh, even my mom's cat, Chloe, who hates me and generally leers at me from a distance when I visit, even she curled up in my socks later on that night. So that's all the proof you need that these are uh, cool as cat socks. Why? Why, you ask? Because they're made from a super soft, natural cotton, and every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's comfy but not too thick. And there are so many patterns to choose from, you'll never get tired of shopping for new pairs. Plus, with every purchase you make, Bombos donates a pair of socks to someone in need. You are loyal fans of Stuck in the 80s, and so we have secured for you a special deal. Buy your Bombas at bombas.com slash 80s today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash 80s for 20% off. Bombas.com slash 80s. So we're back. Brad, what's your favorite scene from the movie? I laugh pretty hard when he's doing laundry in the microwave. Is there a big sexy guy in here? Oh, please don't let it be true. Hi. Oh, my God. God, what are you doing? The uh, laundry, what's it look like? Washing machine's still broken, so I thought I'd use the uh, microwave. Nuke them up, you know. Heats them up pretty good, too. You know, it kills the germs and the odors that they cause. You don't know what you're doing. You're bored out of your mind. You need a little adult supervision. There's a scene earlier where we're introduced to the neighbor where he is swearing at the washing machine, and that's pretty funny, too. But then later on, he's just given up. Like, I can't figure out how this thing works. And so he's just basically cooking all the clothes <laughs> that wouldn't work right i mean it would just make it hot it wouldn't dry i mean, I, uh, i'm just it saying, I'm make, the them, it make them saying. clean but it would kill the germs right but the, but it wouldn't it, in and of itself make them clean it would well it wouldn't make them he's cleaning them in the sink but he put but he dries them in but the microwave but the microwave would put them in the sink the microwave would dry them out yeah eventually okay would, I, I just think it would eventually. make it warm very warm well, do you want to know how microwaves work? I can tell you how microwaves work. Yes. Yes, please. The field inside the microwave switches magnetic 
polarity back and forth at, at the right frequency to make the water molecules in whatever it is that's in the microwave spin. And that friction is what creates heat. So if you put something in the microwave that has absolutely no water in it, it will not heat up. Interesting. Hmm. Well, huh, those socks had a lot of water in them. Yeah, they sure did. So they're getting hot. <laughs> they're getting hot. Here's my question. What are you going to eat after you somebody puts uh, socks in the microwave? It's true. You're going to uh, eat that food? You're going to eat that popcorn? It's an oatmeal. I'm not. <laughs> no, <laughs> gross. Oh, God. I hadn't thought about that. Things I didn't want to think about. Well, maybe that's what Shanice means when she says, we tried to clean up as best we could. <laughs> yeah. For me, my favorite scene, everybody... Everybody gravitates towards the, why don't you take this quarter down downtown and, and have a rat gnaw that thing off your chin? But for some reason, that scene is so mean-spirited and out of place yeah. overall to the movie that I that I almost fast forward now when I get to that. Because I'm just like, it's just so repulsive and unnecessary. Um, I'm going to be an old softy here, and uh, which is sort of unheard of, I guess. And the reunion at the end, when the mother walks through the front door and sees her daughter and can't quite tell off the, right off the bat the expression of her daughter's face. And then she just comes up and hugs her. The daughter comes up and hugs the mom and everything changes. It's going to be real different. I promise. I love you. That's the what makes Piercy cry moment of uh, Buck. You had to go there, didn't you, Steve? I was having a good day, and you had to go there. Why did you did you get touched oh. by that scene too, Brad? I was I was weeping at that moment because I miss my kids right now. No. My son is today is move in day for freshmen at his campus, and I'm like two years ago I was doing that. You know, I just I miss him. That made Bradley cry too. I don't think I've said this on the show, but for the last. Three weeks, my niece has been living with me here at the Spears Lair. Oh, cool. She was Uncle Steve. <laughs> Uncle Steve. So I've been playing Uncle Steve for the last three weeks. She was between apartments, like, you know, one apartment lease ended and another one didn't start for three weeks. And she's she goes to college in Orlando. So, you know, my sister asked, can, you, can she stay with you? And of course, you know, I just, I had to clean out. The guest room, which serves as like my 80s cruise closet, you know, <laughs> and uh, move everything out and do that kind of stuff. And I had to have the maid come over and like clean that bathroom for the first time in two years and stuff like that. But I, I've basically had a roommate. I make the meals at night, like I make the dinner. You make and the pancakes? I didn't make pancakes. I should have made pancakes. But you can't, um, get, then, a, you can't get a snow and, shovel in Florida. And then she would, oh, that's point. And it is true. And then she would like, uh, at the end of every night, she would, whatever she wanted to watch on TV. And it was always like um, big brother or bachelor in paradise. And I would just be like, ah, I just could, you know, I'm not a, not a huge fan of, of that kind of television, but you know, you gotta be uncle Steve. So she just left this weekend and literally like 10 minutes after she left, I turned on uncle Buck and watched it. So when I get to the scene where the mom and daughter reunite, I just, you know, waterworks. Yeah. So I, I get you, mm. my friend. Here's some interesting casting notes. John Candy has appeared in more John Hughes movies than any other actor, uh, including Uncle Buck. Candy appeared in Vacation, 
Planes, Trays, and Automobiles, The Great Outdoors, She's Having a Baby, Home Alone, and Career Opportunities. He's in She's Having a Baby? He's in the credits when they're all deciding what to name. Oh, okay. Granted, it's a very small small part, yeah. but it's, you know, that's okay. Here's what's really interesting. Candy was not necessarily the first choice to play Buck Russell. This is going to be like when we hmm. read uh, the winners of like who got the Van Halen song right this week. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's trouble casting this one, huh? Yeah. So among the other actors considered are, and almost every one of these had another movie that was going on at the same time, so they couldn't do it. It's not like they didn't want to do it. They just couldn't. Here we go. Chevy Chase, John Goodman, Danny DeVito, Robin Williams, Jack Nicholson, whoa, Rick Moranis, Joe Pesci, John Travolta, Bill Murray, Jim Belushi, Dudley Moore, Tom Hanks, Steve Martin, Tim Allen, George Went, Tom Cruise, Dan Aykroyd, and the then unknown Ed O'Neill. Okay, let's spin the wheel and see who gets the bottle opener. <laughs> that's just crazy. That's crazy. That's like a who's who. That's a who's who. That and every one of those actors would have brought something totally different to the role. Some I could see. Danny DeVito, I could see. John Goodman would have worked. For sure. I mean, he's the Midwestern yeah. guy, too. He, he used to act along with uh, Laurie Metcalf, actually, but, a lot. Yeah. Bill Murray might have been interesting. Jim Belushi. But Jack but- Nicholson would have taken this movie to a very dark place. Yeah. <laughs> When it, when it was time to me. let Bug out of the trunk, well, yeah, maybe we just Be let more. him out in pieces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Obviously, the other interesting angle, Amy Madigan, who plays Buck's girlfriend, and Gabby Hoffman, who plays Maisie, the little girl, they might look familiar because also in 1989, they played Annie and Karen Kinsella in Field of Dreams. So there you go. Oh, yeah. I knew I recognized that kid. Yeah. We sort of hinted at this earlier that there's some feelings like this is kind of a transitionary movie to Home Alone. Good reason for that. The entire scene where Miles is interrogating Shanice through the mail slot in the door, that was the scene that gave John Hughes the idea to write Home Alone. Ah, that makes sense. So there you go. Nice. I'm, I'm supposed to come over and watch you? Hi. Uh, I'm Shanice Kowalowski. I'm Uncle Buck's friend. May I see your driver's license, ma'am? Yeah. Sure. That's a good idea. Okay. Can I please take it out of there? That was actually one of my favorite scenes. Macaulay Culkin kind of stole my heart a little bit in this movie, I must admit. Yes. He's a lot more likable in this than he is in Home Alone, I think, too. Stuck in the 80s is proud to say Away Travel is back as a sponsor of our podcast. Both Brad and I are happy and loyal customers of Away Travel. Why? Why, you ask? Because Away Travel designed their luggage the smart way. They listened to the travelers and they discovered what they wanted. That means Away Travel uses high-quality materials, including super strong but also super lightweight German polycarbonate in their bags. They have TSA-approved combination locks built into the top. And they have those lovely, removable, washable laundry bags that keep the dirty clothes away from the clean clothes. And Brad, you know the best feature of all. You tell them. Steve, I know that you're thinking I'm going to say it's the ability to transport Tron costumes, but that's not it. The number one feature is the USB charger that's built into the Away Travel carry-on. Powers my cell phone, my tablet, whatever I need to charge. 
and a single charge to my carry-on will recharge my phone five times. I seriously don't travel without my Away carry-on. With Away, you can choose from nine colors and four sizes. The carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, or the large for extended stays. Each one has a lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, Away Travel will fix it or replace it for you for life. You still not convinced? Away has a 100-day trial. Live with your bag, vibe with it, travel with it, Instagram it. If at any point you decide it's not for you, you just return it for a full refund. No questions asked. And shipping in the lower 48 states is free. Hey, we got a deal for you. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash radical and use the promo code radical during checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash radical, the promo code radical, and you save $20 off a great suitcase. The box office reception, very interesting. Even though it opened up number one at the box office, it had very mixed reviews. The late uh, Roger Ebert, who was the film critic for the Chicago Sun-Times and therefore wrote reviews on all, if not most, of uh, John Hughes's movies, gave it only one and a half stars. And he wrote, quote, Hughes is usually the master of the right note, of the right line of dialogue. And this time, there's an uncomfortable undercurrent of the material. The movie is filled with good intentions and good feelings, but they seem to conceal another side of Uncle Buck a side that makes the movie feel creepy and subtly unwholesome. Hmm. Not exactly on the wrong track there, I think, but you know. Well, yeah, anybody who has a horse fixer. Yeah, there. I feel like the, in subsequent movies, that's when the creepy and subtly unwholesome feelings got less subtle. You know? Yeah. I, I, that's my feeling. I feel like they lost some joy or something. I don't know. I feel like this this one might have been one of the last... Hughesian efforts that had a lot of joy in it. Right. It, it started getting wart ratty. It started getting kind of mean, I think, yeah. mm. his uh, his stuff. Well, we're going to talk in a few minutes about where this movie ranks among John Candy movies and where it ranks among John Hughes movies. But first, we have to take time out for something we like to call The Seggies. It's time to play I Want My Mystery TV theme song. You know the drill here. We're going to play a snippet of a theme song from a TV show in the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for either a bottle opener or the Hall & Oates H2O Tour t-shirt. Right, Brad? Yeah, baby. Why does no one want that shirt? It must be the wrong size. size size Oh, maybe. Okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't go soon, I'm just, now that Jen has expressed some interest, I'm just going to send it to you. (laughs) Just kidding. You you want the bottle opener. Whoever wins. You- <laughs> anyway, pay attention. Here's our uh, mystery theme song from the last show. Yep, that's Jake and the Fat Man.
Brad, you picked it. I'm surprised you picked this. Why did you pick this song? Um, well, I was just looking for something uh, we hadn't picked <laughs> theme from 89 that we hadn't picked that didn't have a lot of words in it. Because I feel like if they have lyrics, that kind of is a giveaway. And I heard this, and I'm like, that's pretty catchy. I feel like I should have watched this program. <laughs> Would have been fun. Anyway, do we have some winners? Well, Steve, <laughs> apparently not a lot of people watch this show or remember the theme song. We have one winner. So this week's winner includes <laughs> Joseph Perdue. <laughs> Man, it, was, it was tough. I didn't get it. So then again, I don't want the shirt. And I think he actually said he knew it, but then he said, I never watched the show. That's interesting. Like, how do you know the theme song if you don't? I'm really things. impressed then. You know, people amaze me. Okay, Joseph, you know the drill. Uh, send us your postal address and let us know. Do you want the bottle opener or do you want the shirt that Jen covets so much? <laughs> yes. And I have it on good authority that he ha- got a bottle opener in. February, oh, so maybe, yeah. One last December. So we'll, we'll talk. talk. I got other Get get some swag. Yeah, the stuff we can give away now that I've cleaned out my uh, 80s cruise closet. Uh, In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in in a couple weeks and find out if you're a winner. Hey, now it's time to play a little game I like to call What's Your 80s Obsession? Brad, what is your 80s obsession? Oh, Steve, my 80s obsession brings me great joy, and I want to share it with all of the nation, the 80s nation. This week, my daughter took a picture that she thought was very funny when she was at her college bookstore of a book that is called William Shakespeare's Get Thee Back to the Future. (laughs) I was like, what madness is this? And so I'm like, that can't be a real thing. So I get on the internet, as one does. It is a real thing. Of course, I had Amazon deliver me a copy. I started reading it. Friday night. It's hilarious. It's basically Back to the Future written in the style of Shakespeare. Now, okay, granted, you have to be a special kind of nerd to enjoy that sort of thing, but it's very well done. Like, Is the gimmick going to get old two-thirds of the way through? I'm not sure, but right now, I'm really enjoying it. Can you give us an example of some of the pros? Scene four, Twin Pines Mall. Enter Doc Emmett Brown in a DeLorean car. Marty, what wonders this? What advent glorious? Unless mine eyes deceive, before me is... The most distinctive silver frame of the DeLorean, a car most non-pareil. The future we do glimpse through these machines, of which I've heard, but have never seen. <laughs> Even so, tis clear to me the car has changed with alterations built for certain tasks. The plate upon its rear reads, out of time. A message of some urgency, perchance. Or a deeper meaning yet to grasp? <laughs> he goes on a bit. Oh my god. Anyway, God, it's so stupid, but it's just funny. Oh, that's great. That sounds really fun. I know. Actually. That sounds fun. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to realize that I think this is straight from the movie. I'll skip a bit here, Brother Maynard. At one point after Doc's out of the car, he says, what dost thou wear? Is it a Devo suit? <laughs> and <laughs> I watched the actual movie and I think he actually says that. And I never heard that. I feel like such a fraud. Like, what kind of Devo fan am I that I didn't realize that he says, is that a Devo suit when he's wearing the radiation suit? Oh, I recall that not, Brad. (laughs) Forsooth. (laughs) Fear not. So uh, not only is it funny, I'm learning things. Good. Wow. So you guys. So literary today. Yeah. Jen, what's your 80s obsession? My 80s obsession is radio. 
like regular old radio, like terrestrial radio. Frequency modulated yeah, radio yeah. in your car? I swear, just radio. So, I, I, you know, where, where I live in, in Portland, Maine, we have the typical Rewind, which plays all the same, you know, Jesse's Girl and all the same stuff, which I listen to. It's fine. But then I discovered a new station called The Bay. And God help me, it's easy listening. <laughs> but there's lots of like 80s deep cuts that they don't play on the other like 80s throwback station. They play Jody Watley. They play James Ingram. They play Men at Work songs that aren't down under. I mean, it's really awesome. So I got really excited about that. And then I found a third station. It's called Downtown Groove. And it's only available within like, I would say... 30 mile radius of my house because it's just down the street from me. It's like a, just a little community radio, but they play all this awesome like 80s and 90s R&B and hip hop and stuff. And I don't know how I've missed it all these years, but all I can tell you is I was driving during morning drive time and pull up to the bumper by Grace Jones came on and I was like, this is the best station ever made. So I'm just excited <laughs> to find on boring old radio, these like, you know, sort of hidden gems that uh, that I hadn't seen before. And bonus, I figured out after owning my car for nine years, how to program my radio. <laughs> so all right. <laughs> now I have all the 80s stations, boom, 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 right in a row, which is awesome. The National radio. Association of Broadcasters, thanks you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so here's my 80s obsession. A few weeks ago, we did a podcast, which I think we just released today with uh, Alexi Lawless where we talk about albums we connected with in 1989. And I had picked Billy Joel's Stormfront. It's weird. I've been on like this Billy Joel tear lately. And, and here's the reason why. Aside from the fact that it's a good album and I enjoy listening to it. Uh, a few weeks ago, I, went, I was up in uh, New York City visiting my girlfriend. And she has a lot of family that lives in Long Island. And I'd never been to Long Island. I've only been to New York City like three times ever in my life. So one day, we hopped the Long Island Railroad, the train to Reconcoma. Off we go through Queens and through the into the heart of Long Island, and we end up in Deer Park. I'm just picturing married to the mob. Here it's right <laughs> something like that. See, we end up in the middle of Long Island, or what I think of as middle of Long Island. We were probably like maybe ten minutes into this into the island. I have no idea, no context whatsoever. So it's a big family dinner, and so she's got aunts there, and her sister, and uncles, and cousins, and whole nine yards. And it's not like any family dinner I've ever been to. There's actually, it's, it's actually not just a dinner. It's a lunch and a dinner. So literally we had two full meals. Oh my gosh. In the course of five hours, I think. <laughs> and I don't know if they were doing it to be polite to me, but they were playing 80s music the whole time. But every time a Billy Joel song would come on, they would all hush. Like, oh, Billy, it's Billy Joel. Billy Joel. One of us. One yeah, of like, us. Totally. They would just be like, oh, Billy Joel. Oh, I love this song. I, mean, I remember the last time he played it when I saw him. He is to Long Island like like Jimmy Buffett is to Florida. And it was just, it was, aside from the two meals and the train tour of Konkuma, the thing I remember most is like the hush that would come over universally across like uh. five generations of a family when any time a Billy Joel song would come on the radio. So kind of got us obsessed with it for that reason alone. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it was a great trip. I really, I really enjoyed Long Island. I'd never been, and you know, you always hear all these, uh, you know, stereotypes about it, but none of it's true. Sure. I really, I really enjoyed my time out there. Uh, hey, if you have an A's obsession, always feel free to email us. The email address is podcast at sit80s.com. 
We'll be right back after this commercial break. How about Nickel of Life for the worst? Sure. Oh, we get mighty thirsty. Oh. Would a bunch of guys really go at it this hard just for a beer? Well, consider it's Michelob Life, and that means a rich, smooth taste you can compare to any beer you like. Those guys could have beaten the Russians today. You think they'd play us for a Michelob Light? Michelob Light. Compare the taste. And we're back, and we have a few minutes left, and I thought, hey, let's talk about Uncle Buck a few minutes more. But here are my questions. Where does this rank among John Candy's movies, and where does it rank among John Hughes' movies? So who wants to try first? Brad, want to give it a shot? I'll give it a try. So among John Candy movies, I'm going to say it is in the top three or four. I think Stripes is better. And I know that's ensemble cast, so maybe you don't give it as much credit, but I do. And Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, just it just has so much heart. I can't put this above that. I feel like Uncle Buck is kind of the little brother to Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. John Candy really needed an adult foil. Yeah. Well, I think, and they came out so close to each other. And Planes, Trains, and Uncle Buck have a lot in common in terms of the soundtrack. They, they both featured a lot of standards. You know, they, they weren't as full of contemporary music hits like new stuff as some of his as other stuff i will say i also think i need to mention splash because i think he's really good in splash so good that's what i was gonna say too yeah and then while i was thinking about john candy in the 80s i i came up with a new theory and it's been a long time since we had a theory on stuck in the 80s steve i have a theory about about dewey oxberger okay what is it my theory is that dewey oxberger is the security guard in national lampoon's vacation Ooh, not bad yeah that makes sense. Came out about the same time. That makes complete sense. Well, he'd be uh, out of the military, you know. Yeah, he would have a, he would have work, a job. Security guard. Some, yeah, befitting someone who probably had a, a general discharge, not so much an honorable one. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would put Uncle Buck fourth or fifth. I'd put it behind. This is going to be a weird list. Planes, trains, and automobiles, volunteers, space balls, and the great outdoors. But I'd put it far ahead of Armed and Dangerous, Little Shop of Horrors, and Who's Harry Crumb? What about Hot to Trot? <laughs> I mean, no, he did a lot of work. Hot to Trot? <laughs> he did a lot of work in the 80s. Yeah. So, you know, you could, you're, you're going to rank them all. You're going to have to watch about 20 movies. Yeah. How about you, Jen? My list is quick. So I would definitely say this is behind Splash, which I think he's so charming in. Definitely behind Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Like I, I think of the scene in Uncle Buck where he's looking at the photo albums and he sees that picture of him folded over. Oh, in, oh, in, yeah. in, that was so like, they were so sweet and sad. And that reminded me of a, a, like a Del Griffith moment. So I don't know. I wish yeah. there had been more moments like that in Uncle Buck. I'm just going to throw something crazy in there. I also really enjoyed him in uh, Brewster's Millions. <laughs> oh, I love Brewster's Millions. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I forgot all about that. Yeah, He's great in that. I thought he He's was really charming in that. in that, too. So, um, yeah, I think those would be my top three for John Candy movies. So, Brad, where do you think it ranks among John Hughes movies? I think it's a little outside the, you know, a little off-piste, if you will, because, you know, you pair it again. I think I just said it's kind of like, Uncle Buck is kind of planes, trains, and automobiles, his little brother. 
I don't think there are other John Hughes movies that you can really compare to those two movies. They're very different. They're they're more adult facing. I mean, I know Uncle Buck goes to a teenage party and drinks a beer. That's about as much teenagerness as you get in this one. So I I don't know where it fits. Maybe this is part of his transition. I mean, he doesn't direct a whole lot after this. This is the last thing he directed in the eighties, and he he directed Curly Sue, and that was the last thing he directed. Right. So maybe he was just wrapping it up. I don't know. Yeah. I. I feel, I personally feel like it's the gateway drug to Home Alone, Dutch, and Curly Sue, and it's it's focused more on the adults now or the relationship between the adults and the teenagers. It just seems like it's he's gone through a doorway and shut the door behind him. Like there's not going to be another Ferris Bueller or Breakfast Club or Sixteen Candles. He's focused on on you know more of an adult re- family relationship at this point. It's it's still you know John Hughes's best wonder, work still remains. When were his kids born? Because I wonder I if would, that I would to do not with be it. surprised if that has a lot to do with it. So, Jen, where do you feel that it fits in among John Hughes movies? I agree with you, Steve. I think this is a really transitional movie, and I mentioned before the sort of recycled feeling of it because there is one um, to your point about the teenagery thing, Brad, not being quite so present. But there's that high school scene at the beginning when he's dropping. Um, Tia off for the first time. And it's the same shots as like 16 Candles or some kind of wonderful where it's like a kind of a nod to whatever teen came to the movie with their family. You, do you know what I'm talking about? When they're, it's sort of like they're showing a, a, a sketch of, of who's waiting for school to start. Oh out my gosh. Out those, the, those kids um, all just look insufferable. You know what I'm too. saying? I'm like, ugh. Yeah, yeah, but it really it feels like a, a an echo of Sixteen Candles or um, the Mall at Weird Science, just like showing like here's some teens in their unfortunate late eighties clothes the, and and mock turtlenecks. Yeah, but the problem I have with that is it's it's here's this single click of teens. Like there's no you know usually in a John Hughes movie you get a little bit of spread. You know you get your jocks sure. and your nerds and your dweebies and your sportos and your bloods. That was all just like these you know horrible Chicago teens. mod kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wearing all their Liverpudlian hats and stuff. Far more fashionable than that have any right to be at that age. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is. There's our tribute to Uncle Buck. 30 years. Still holds up, I think. But maybe maybe the heart has uh, shown itself a little bit more. We certainly cry a little bit more now than we did uh, 30 years ago. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, Brad, Jen, and I will remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.